Hi, <laughs> welcome to the Real Kingdom podcast. My name is Nathan Miller. I am one of the co-founders and co-hosts. Our goal with this podcast is, is really simple. One, we want to share stories of God's faithfulness that have helped us come to believe in the reality of Christian spirituality. And we're hoping those stories will be helpful to you. Uh, we were helped in our spiritual walks by hearing stories, especially by people we knew and trusted, people whose character was known to us. And we would love to be that for you, especially if you know us and trust us. Hopefully we can help you along. Uh, our goal is that you will pursue God yourself biblically and that our stories may in some way be a help to you. We'll probably provide insights and commentary, but you know, we're just trying to figure it out like everybody else. We, um, we want to also say, especially relative to the name of our podcast, Real Kingdom, we know there are lots of Christians who have not had these kinds of experiences that we've had, um, who may doubt our experiences, who have no desire to have these kinds of experiences. And we are not implying that those Christians do not experience Christian spirituality or that they are having a, a less meaningful mm -hmm. Christian experience, that they're not a part of the kingdom of God. Not at all. We would say that if you are a Christian and you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a valuable member of the kingdom of God, regardless mm -hmm. of what you believe about some of these things. And our encouragement to you and to all believers is that that kingdom is, is, is real and that Jesus is actually there. This is my co-host, longtime best friend, longtime bandmate. Mm -hmm. Not anymore, but moved on. We've moved on. Uh, Dustin Aguilar, we are both on staff at evangelical churches in the DFW area. And so we're kind of coming at these, you know, like everybody does, we have our perspective we're coming from. And that's kind of the perspective we bring to these experiences and stories. Right What's up, Dustin? Hey, doing pretty well. Glad you asked. Thank you. Uh, so just in case anybody is trying to uh, comment on my or Nathan's Facebook page, uh, we're not going to see those. I'm monitoring the Real Kingdom podcast page. So if you want to uh, say something like how your mother has just said, hi, guys, hi. Uh, you'll need to do it on the Real Kingdom page. So hi, Sharon. I mean, hi, Miss uh, Miller. It's good to Just have you with that. us. Uh, so, yeah, so we're talking about God's provision today. And uh, you told me a story, uh, or you actually told me about a question that you asked your students. Uh, and I thought, man, that would be a great way to start this uh, episode. So I'm going to sort of ask you the same question and kind of give our listeners a chance to, to think through how they would answer that. So you show your students, John 15, where Jesus says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, uh, ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. And so the question that, that you then ask your students is, what does that mean? What does that mean God is going to do? And so if you're watching right now, uh, why don't you ponder that uh, in your own brain? Uh, and then Nathan's going to tell you now what, they tip, what his students typically say uh, by and large. Yeah. So whenever I've, I've taught my students through the gospel of John, this question comes up as Dustin mentioned in John 15, also in John 14, John 14, 14 is maybe the more confusing version of the verse. Jesus is saying to the disciples, if you ask 
me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I don't know if, if we want to unpack what we believe that that means right now, but I will tell you something I found is interesting. I, I've taught the last 10 years at a Christian school. It's a pretty evangelical school. You have to be a Christian to even go there, and you have to have a certain view of the Bible and things like that. However, there's a lot of different types of people that come to that school as far as denominations and backgrounds, Protestants, Catholics, and by and large, I have found in the 10 years of teaching there, I will ask my students this question. What does it mean when Jesus says, ask me anything in my name and I will do it? And I guess I will tell you what I, what I believe it means based on the John 15 verse and others. Mm -hmm. Basically, I would say that Jesus has been walking with his disciples for three years, teaching them. They know him. They know his priorities. They know his ways. Uh, Judas Iscariot is gone at this point. So it's the 11 loyal disciples. And when Jesus says this to them, he has just uh, called them his friends, saying, you know, a uh, servant doesn't know what the master is doing. You're my friends. In other words, you get me. You've learned me and you get me. Mm -hmm. Ask me anything and I'll do it for you. And I take that to mean basically, perhaps for all Christians, when we have the priorities of God, when we've gotten to know God, it's very possible that God might look at us and say the same thing. If you know me and you're going to ask for things that give me glory, that bring my kingdom into focus and not your own selfish desires, it says connection lost. Maybe that's just the mouse. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, that Jesus might say, ask me anything and you'll get it. Mm. Now, that's what I would explain to my students after we had a you know, rigorous discourse. I tell them that's how I interpreted it. And I found that often my students, when I would ask them on a quiz or a test, what do you think it means when Jesus says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it? And I would tell them, you know, there's no wrong answer. You don't have to put what I said, but your answer does have to make sense biblically. I would say almost 50% of them say some version of this. God will give you what you need, but not what you want. Hmm. Ask God, pray and God will give you what you need, but not what you want. And I kind of go, how in the world did you get that? That's not what the verse says. It's not anything like what it says. There is um, a condition. I think they're probably just thinking, well, there's a condition. I don't remember what it was. It's probably need versus want. And I know a lot of Christians, especially those of us who maybe do not embrace the prosperity gospel, we tend to think of God this way. We think of God giving us things that, are good for us, giving us what we need, perhaps, mm -hmm. but not necessarily giving us more than that, not giving us something we would want, something that we would desire, but just kind of providing the minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And the verse says, ask whatever you wish, mm -hmm. uh, ask whatever you want, right. whatever you desire. And the condition, of course, is if you abide in me and my word abides mm -hmm. in you. Mm -hmm. So those of you listening, what did you, you know, is that the answer that you would have given? Uh, the the uh, God will give you what you need, but not what you want. Uh, so I know you have a handful of stories you want yeah. to tell. I have a story or two that I want to tell that sort of illustrate uh, this idea of God's provision. And then also, hopefully we can kind of tease out how that, how it's different than the prosperity gospel. Right. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, why don't you just kind of jump in, start us off. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, I see that Jordan Cook and Mark Mateos have joined. Hello and hola. 
Mark Mateo speaks Spanish. Right, and so do you. I do, a little bit. <laughs> Don't speak too much Spanish to me, though. Right, so sometimes I think in life, for a Christian, it works this way, where you read the Bible, you start to understand what you can expect from God theologically, and then your experiences sort of fill in, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of establish the borders of what you think God is about, and then your experiences happen within those safeguards. The stories I'm about to tell, I would say, are things I hadn't thought about until after they happened. I had never considered God from this perspective, not really or not much, if at all, until I had these experiences. And maybe that's not ideal, but kind of what it forced me to do is go back to the Bible and say, okay, I guess there's a side to God's character that I hadn't considered. Which, by the way, if you're a Christian, I hope you understand that there are sides to God's character that you have not considered. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> so, and that's all of us, right? Right. So, the first of these occurrences, so Dustin and I were in a band, Darcy. A band. Darcy. <laughs> Darcy, this is such a big thing in like the 2000s. We were not a Christian band, but we were a band of Christians mm -hmm. making wholesome rock music <laughs> and writing good songs. So at least we thought they were good. And planning to kind of make it as a band on the strength of the quality of our music. Mm -hmm paying our dues and we were getting ready to go on our first tour we were making you know a little bit of money every month playing the, the clubs and the coffee shops and so we had bought a van and we had bought a trailer and it was one of those old ford vans with a, the, the bed that folds out in the back and the captain's chairs it was mm, just it was love awesome. i love that van <laughs> so we, we were heading off on our first tour we had a a booking agent actually who booked us some very small venues and we were headed off and our ultimate destination was Chicago and Illinois and the Cornerstone Festival. So, which was a big Christian music festival. So we set off and at this point, Dustin and I are very active and passionate in our faith and all five members of the group were believers. We also had a friend of ours who we were taking to Chicago and she was kind of our merch girl on the on the tour. And we were all believers. And so Dustin and I would kind of do things like every hour or so, I think every hour in the van, yeah. we would worship. Yeah, I forgot about that. And we would, we, right. would, we kind of tried to keep God at the center of the band and of the tour. It, it was, I've never been in any other bands really, but that was how we did it. And so we're on our way to Arkansas. We're playing a coffee shop in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It's just this beautiful, beautiful drive into rural Arkansas. And I don't think any of us knew anything about, mm -hmm. like, the mountains of Arkansas. Yeah. It was so beautiful. And it was hot. Oh. Very hot. Oh, yeah. And the van didn't have good air conditioning. The air conditioning was awful in that van. You could get air conditioning <laughs> in the front seat, though. So yeah. that was the prized yeah. place. Everybody was like, no, I'll drive. I'll, I'll drive. Yeah. yeah. So it was really hot. Yeah. It's a good part of the story. Yes. Um, so... We're headed to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and none of us, you know, have make any money. None of us have any extra money. We're all just broke guys playing in a band. And we are driving to Fayetteville. I don't know if the Holy Spirit led me to do this or not, but I remember we, we got there, and it just kind of occurred to me that we didn't have anywhere to stay. Now, this wasn't like... Yeah, we got all the way there before we... <laughs> Surely somebody had thought about that. Yeah, I mean, we had a, you so know, we, we would stay in the van. Right, we had the van, we had the, the one bed in the van. We, 
we were not in peril by any means. In fact, it was so hot. It was hot. Like, man, this is going to be horrible. Yeah. And we had camping gear for when we got to Cornerstone. So, you know, we weren't worried, weren't stressed, but we get to Fayetteville a few hours before our show. And I'm just like, why don't we pray and ask God to provide a place for us to stay tonight? Mm-hmm. And so we pause and pray. You know, we didn't fast. It was a, probably a pretty short prayer, but it was a conscious. We all stopped and prayed together. And then we played the show at the coffee shop and it was uh, not a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. And we were really good. I promise. We sounded great. Yeah. And there was this young woman who I think ran the coffee shop or owned it. Yeah. And she was there and one of her friends. And after we played, she was, she came over to us and we started talking to us. And she was like, do you guys, you guys seem like really nice, like Christian guys. We were like, Oh, thank you. That's sweet of you to say we are Christians. And um, we got to talking with her a little bit and she was like, do you guys have anywhere to stay tonight? I think she just came out with it. And we were like, we don't, we actually don't have anywhere to stay. And so it turns out that she was house sitting for these very wealthy people and they had a pool house, a pool and a really nice pool house. And she said, you guys are all welcome to stay in the pool house. So we basically made our way to this beautiful mansion in the foothills of the mountains and were given this pool house to stay in. And I was like, wow, I was definitely not expecting this. What a blessing. And it actually even turned out that her husband was in a band and that we knew him and that we were going to see him at Cornerstone. Like we knew him? Like we he was from Spoken. Yeah, well, okay, that's what I, yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah. But we didn't, she didn't realize that when she offered a, right. to let us Things will get better this, I promise you. Spoken. Yeah. Sorry. Really nice guys in Spoken. So that was basically it. Just a really, really fun, you know, memorable provision from God in answer to our prayer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we went on the rest of the tour and I don't know if any other times we had to stop and pray. I think we had friends to stay with in some of the other cities and, um, you know, we slept in living rooms and, you know, it wasn't like we were staying in pool houses every night. Did we have lined up though, the, the friends? I know, uh, I remember Chase and Todd, we ended up <laughs> staying with him. I don't remember if that was lined up. I don't think we lined that up. Anyway, go ahead. It doesn't matter. So anyway, there, I'm just trying to say the rest of the tour was not all pool houses, but of course we were provided for. So I didn't think much of that. And then we met some friends on that tour and were invited to come on another tour in December of 2009, I guess that was that same year. And so we set off again. Uh, this time it's a smaller group of us. We're, we have just the van and our, our, we leave the trailer behind. We kind of pack our acoustic gear in the captain's chairs of the van. And we have two guys driving and two guys napping. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun, kind of going all over the Southwest. And I remember in Arkansas, not Arkansas, that was the last one, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. We were there, and there was literally 10 bands on this tour. It was a horrible tour. (laughs) It was fun in a lot of ways, but just really stupid in other ways. Like, I'm not even joking, 10 other totally anonymous bands you've never heard of on this tour, (laughs) along with us. Um, And then... Come sit for eight hours and listen to... Yeah. And then Bradley Hathaway, who was awesome, was headlining that tour. And Poema, who were our friends, were kind of the main support for him. 
And so when we were in Albuquerque, I remember uh, our friends from Poema, they invited us to come and stay in their, I don't think they had a pool, but it was like a pool house, mm -hmm. like a magnificent, beautiful pool house. And we woke up the next morning and they invited us into the main house and their mom cooked breakfast for us. And we played on their grand piano. It was just, yeah, just amazing. And I remember being like, wow, I think we're, and she kind of literally like our friends from Paloma, they said, don't tell the other bands. Like we're just inviting you guys <laughs> over. And uh, God provided several places for us to stay on that tour. Mm -hmm. um, we had the one bed, the four guys, and it was winter in some pretty cold places. Yeah. But God would provide couches and places for us to stay and all kinds of things um, at, all, at different intervals on that tour. It was really sweet. Um, ne the next summer, Darcy went out again, um, headed up the Midwest to Chicago. Without me. I was not on that one. Well, yes, you were. Yes, 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 you were. Yes, you were. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that was the World Cup tour. Oh, yeah. that, oh man. During, I was on that tour. During the 2010 World Cup. Wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't miss it. And so, you know, I always think of this, this tour because, you know, one of the stops we stayed with our friend Chad in Chicago. Yep. Chad at the time was a bachelor with a one-bedroom apartment, I think. And, man, we spread out all over that apartment. Um, maybe two-bedroom. But, anyway, he gave us the nice bedroom. And a couple of us slept in a bed, me being one of them. Oh, yeah. I slept in, a, uh, in our piano case. So the case <laughs> that, our, that our Nord keyboard was yeah. in. It was not very big. Um, yeah. And it was actually awful. But I was like, this is going to make a great story one day. Yes, and here we are. Telling it. So not exactly what I would consider something anybody would ever say, hey, is that the prosperity gospel? <laughs> You're praying for provision and you slept on the floor in a, in a piano case. Right, right. So we had a show booked out way out in Midland, Texas. I think it was a long 28-hour swing on that tour. <laughs> and so we were driving to Midland and we had nowhere to stay out in Midland. And it was hot, hot Texas summer and so we were praying just asking god to provide somewhere mm -hmm. we didn't know a soul in midland that we could think of and we were just again asking god hey would you provide and at yep. this point i think i started to have an inkling that that god did this kind of thing mm -hmm. and so as we're praying at some point one of the guys in the band is like oh you know what my friend's parents live in midland it's a long shot we're five six we had six of us on that tour total strangers but you know we'll let's give them a call yeah. so we gave them a call and would you believe it <laughs> big beautiful house in midland with a pool house <laughs> and we are invited to stay in the pool house mm -hmm. uh i remember it had like the hugest beautiful shower they we woke up i remember uh, the World Cup was on. They had like a cabana with all these TVs and they had organic frozen pizzas and they were cooking frozen pizzas for us and serving us chips and salsa out on the cabana while we watched the World Cup. Um, uh, our shows themselves were far less glamorous. <laughs> yeah, the, I, I believe that one was in a, just some room with no windows and they turned off all the lights and had one strobe light going. Oh, God. We're like playing our very not heavy metal yeah. music. To yeah. a very heavy metal it was crowd, like a punk rock, emo, screamo crowd. Yeah. Oh man. Should have prayed for. Should have prayed shows. for better <laughs> concerts. Yeah. Um, 
So we were staying in the pool house. I remember distinctly like waking up and being like, guys, we're going to, we need to pause and thank God for this. Like he's mm-hmm. really being generous mm-hmm. to us. And yep. remember we all saying, be thou my vision together. Yeah. And so God provided that place. And at this point, at least I was starting to think, okay, three different tours, at least one time God's provided us just this incredible place to stay. And I didn't really have a category for God doing things like that. Mm-hmm. Like when I ask God, hey, I don't have anywhere to stay. Would you provide? I'm imagining, is there just like a back room somewhere with bunk beds or like three mattresses and we'll all share, you know, and mm-hmm. that's all I'm expecting, if anything. Yeah. And the fact that at least once on each leg of this tour, it's like God gave us much, much more than we were expecting or, or more than we needed just kind of made me think, does God like to just give us good things sometimes? Mm-hmm. Just because he loves us, you know, that was not, a, I think I would have theologically had room for that maybe, uh-huh. but not something I really had any practical experience with and not, not even something I would have maybe told anyone, you know, that I, if yeah. someone had asked me, does God provide things like this? I would have been like, well, hold on. Don't get too excited. God isn't really about you staying in pool houses, right? Yeah. God's about things that matter and, and salvation and missions and evangelism and relief for the poor and justice. And, and those were yeah. all huge things on our radars. We weren't unaware. We yeah, were yeah. big time social justice guys. We did a lot of homeless ministry at the time. In fact, when we were at home, we lived in a home that was dedicated to homeless ministry. Yeah, right. So it, we weren't thinking along the lines of, I'm just trying to get whatever I can out of God baby you know yeah. <laughs> quite the opposite we were just let's give our lives away to because jesus has given all to us and yeah. and he commands us to love and so let's do that that was where we were coming from uh-huh. so to kind of round out i think this storytelling bit um the next summer i had darcy had kind of started to dissolve because different guys were going different ways i think dustin was getting married or getting hitched yeah and didn't some guys, some guy, what? Already found the babe. Didn't yeah, need the didn't need anymore. the band. Some guys like uh, Dustin were like, you know what? I need to get a real job. I got a wife. Other guys like me, uh, I was like, you know, I love our band, but I had actually started just writing worship music. I wasn't writing rock music or pop music anymore at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, I was only writing worship songs and I was starting to lead worship at a local church. And I just thought, you know what? This doesn't make sense to try to keep a band going. If Dustin's not in it, he was a songwriter for the band and I was, and I was like, I'm just, so I started a worship band called the love release. We're actually going to release an album this summer. And I started a worship band called the love release. And, you know, I, I didn't know any other way than go out on tour. Right. (laughs) So we, we're headed to Chicago for a friend's wedding. Actually, Chad, yep, the bachelor who let us stay with him the summer before, and marrying Alicia, the merch girl from the tour <laughs> before. They're right. really just interwoven into this. Yeah, they are. Story. Hi, yeah, Chad and Alicia. So we were headed to Chicago for Chad and Alicia's wedding, and Megan, my now wife, and I were going to play in the wedding. And the Loverlies, it was seven of us, mm. and three dudes, four dudettes, four ladies. And we were going to play some house shows on the way up to Chicago. And then we didn't have anything booked in Chicago. We were just going to go to the wedding. Mm -hmm. So we stayed with friends and played some house shows on our way up to Chicago from Texas. 
And we didn't have anywhere to stay in Chicago. Our only friends in Chicago were the ones getting married. And if you know anything about weddings, you know, you don't stay with them. You don't text your friends and you're like, hey, can I stay with you? I know it's your wedding, but you can. Anyway, so we didn't bother Chad. We didn't bother Alicia. Mm -hmm. We were basically just headed up to the big city of Chicago with nowhere to stay. And I remember before we left Texas, I told the band, I was like, listen, guys, none of us have any money. We don't have anywhere to stay in Chicago. We tried, you know, we tried everything. We called all the people. We did everything you could do and we couldn't find anywhere and we could not afford anything that you could get in Chicago. And I just said, guys, listen, God's going to provide. I'm confident he's going to provide. He's provided for me on three different Darcy tours. I never had any money on any one of them. And I kind of put my reputation and God's reputation on the line. Wow. I remember you doing that too. I mean, even though I wasn't on the tour, I remember Uh you saying, this is what we're going to do when we go out on tour. Mm -hmm. And so we head on up to Chicago and we kind of meet some friends at the rehearsal dinner. And we basically figure out that after the wedding is over and things are kind of calmed down, we could probably stay with some of the friends we met at the rehearsal dinner. But that first night in Chicago, we had nothing, nowhere to go. We, ended up in this section of Chicago called Wrigleyville, right by Wrigley Field. And there was a brownout, which means all the power was out. It kind of had this apocalyptic feel. (laughs) And we were in this restaurant and we were just praying, just asking God. We were starting, this was before, I guess, like Airbnb and things like that. And Mm -hmm. so we were just calling hostels and they were just asking for all this money. And I was like, hey, look, we it's tonight. Like, can you just give us a deal? <laughs> like, we'll give you some money. And they were just so angry. Like, no, how dare you? Well, I mean, it's a business. Yes. They're running a business. God bless them. So, and you know, it's getting later and later, eight o'clock at night, probably. And the power's out. We're in the middle of Chicago. It's Wrigleyville. It's, you know, it's central Chicago. It's not like out in the suburbs. And we're, we have seven of us in like a, a big suburban Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't have anywhere to go. And so we're praying continually, going back to the Lord, asking him to provide. And then we're in this restaurant and Megan and I are keep, keep trying to call things and <laughs> figure it out. And this couple approaches us and they, they say, Hey, we, we can't help overhearing that you're having trouble finding a place to stay. And we said, yeah, we are. And they said, you guys seem like, you, the two of you seem really nice. We have an apartment near here. Would, would you want to come stay the night at our place? Which is just crazy. And I said, that is so sweet of you. But listen, there's seven of us. <laughs> um, they're over there. I wouldn't even invite you seven into my house. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I just said, I, trust me, I understand that you don't want seven of us in your apartment. Thank you so much for offering. And they're like, okay, well, you're right. <laughs> and so... They they go off and and then a few minutes later they come back and they say, "Are all seven as nice as you guys are?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, well." <laughs> I said, "Well, we are we're a Christian band and these are all like very trustworthy people." And they said, "All right, you guys are all welcome to come to our apartment." And so I was so excited because I because wow. God had provided <laughs> like I had said that He would and and He's you know, so faithful and we had done everything we had tried hadn't worked. And then these people had approached us 
And so we, we went back to the Suburban. The whole band was really excited when I told them. We went back to the Suburban. It was really funny. We got all of our like pillows and blankets because they told us they didn't have a lot of bedding in the apartment. So we're getting all of our pillows and blankets and our you know overnight stuff out of the Suburban. And we leave the Suburban somewhere and pray that it doesn't get broken into. Mm-hmm. And we're walking a few blocks through Wrigleyville. And there's, I think, a Cubs game or something. And it's just packed. There's people everywhere. And the seven of us are walking like, just holding sleeping bags and pillows. And at one point, someone yells at us, hey, guys, where's the lock-in? <laughs> I guess. I don't know if we had that wholesome youth group vibe. But we go up to their apartment, and we we get on the elevator, and it turns out they live – it's probably not a penthouse apartment, but, like, 25th floor up above Wrigleyville, overlooking Wrigley Field. Um, there's a magnificent storm that night and we watched the beautiful like rain and lightning from the balcony of their amazing apartment in the middle of Chicago. We're all, there's like several guest rooms in the house and some people are in the living room. Some people are in a guest room. Some people are in the other guest room and they, it was magnificent. The whole thing, it was incredible. And I thought, I can't believe it's happened again. Mm. Again, we would have settled for, cots in a anywhere a basement somewhere and instead we're in this amazing apartment and so i came away from these four experiences and and several others like it convinced that sometimes when we ask god to provide he provides something amazing Mm. something good something better than we even wanted does he ever not provide at all (laughs) does god ever not provide maybe that's not at all that's that's not the right way to ask the question um so so what about the times you ask and it doesn't come through you know right you know the the penthouse suite overlooking Wrigley Field doesn't happen yeah yeah actually can I push pause and 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 say we'll get to that question because I was kind of mulling over whether or not I should share this uh story uh but just in case this hasn't sounded anything that like anything that anybody would say, oh, wait a minute, is that the prosperity gospel? I have a story that's that's really intensely kind of right along the same lines as what we're talking about, but but could certainly be accused of prosperity gospel sort of stuff. And I, I was thinking about it, and I'm just like, you know what? Uh, let's let's just share it. Why not? You know, yeah. it, it's it gives God glory, and then we get to talk about. Uh, that question that I just asked, what about when God doesn't come through? What does that mean about your faith? What does that mean about God? So uh, I'll, I'll tell it, I'll tell it quickly. So uh, my wife and I, um, gosh, how do I tell it quickly? All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, my wife and I had a whole bunch of debt um, uh, starting uh, in, I mean, we had it from school, but in the year uh, 2017, uh, we, we still had uh, multiple thousand dollars of debt and I had worked out I just got a new job and I and I was able to teach a couple of classes at UNT and I had worked out you know if we if I work this job and keep uh, you know teaching these classes and we do the Dave Ramsey model of aggressively paying off uh, debt then we can get out from under this debt in something like eight or nine years and I was really happy about that you know because even before I had thought man it's gonna take forever but we did some refinancing and we did all this anyway so I had this plan, and I was thinking through the plan on the way to a meeting where our uh, church leaders announced that we were going to be doing a uh, 
a campaign, uh, although I remember now I was told not to call it a campaign. It, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a capital no. campaign. It really wasn't. It was a discipleship process in uh, giving and generosity. Uh, and I look back on that with, with fantastic uh, joy that, that, we, that we dove into that. So they announced that we're going to do this thing. And I start thinking, oh, my gosh. I was like, God. I had this plan, like we were going to, we were going to, you know, get out from under debt. Isn't it holy to get out from under, you know, your debt? But Tina and I prayed about what we should uh, give uh, according to this campaign. And uh, I mean, not campaign, according to this uh, generosity (laughs) discipleship process. Um, And the fact is like, we got really, really discipled. I mean, the purpose was to disciple in generosity. That absolutely happened. I remember uh, our pastor, Pastor Ross Appleton, uh, sitting with us and saying, you know, uh, this is a chance for you to take that next step with God. Um, everybody's got a next step to take. This is a chance for you to do it. And so we prayed about a specific amount to give. Uh, we really feel like we got a very clear answer from God about what we should give. And so we, we set out to give that amount every month uh, for the next two years. And uh, over the course of that time, God did a whole lot of work in us about uh, about fear of of running out of resources. Uh, we actually ran completely out of money multiple times, including having to uh, buy baby formula on a credit card. Like that, like we had to buy. It was ridiculous. I actually went and sold Tina's old phone, and on the way back home from selling it, had to stop and get gas. That took up all of the money from the phone, and then with zero money, had to go and, and get uh, formula uh, on the credit card. So, uh, but you know, we continued to just give because we were like, "This is this is something God is doing in us. He's working something out in us." And here's the part. Here's kind of the 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 uh, here's the sucker punch of this thing. So, at the end of the two years, um, when the when the thing ended. That very month, actually it was the next month, the next month after the two years ended, we paid off all of our debt. Wow. And I mean, there's some very specific and and very practical things that happened during that time, which, uh, you know, when I tell them, maybe it'll take the magic out of it or the, the, the big punch out of it. But the fact is, we start, we set out with something like 10 years, at least maybe eight or nine years of, you know, debt work that I had figured out. And then after not doing any of that, at the end of that, at the end of the two years, we paid off all of our debt. Um, and I might add, uh, we also felt like a very clear call to go into ministry, mm-hmm. and then a very clear call to plant a church, and then very clear calls to move to Fort Worth, which is where we live now, in a in church planting process, getting ready to plant, uh, and. And I just remember, I just realized this two days ago when I started thinking about it. We paid off all of our debt and we won a car, new car. All of this. So, 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 so. Um, did we need uh, to pay off the debt? I mean, we were, we were going to f- figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we need the new car? I mean, it was really, it's really nice, but I could definitely say we didn't need the new car. So what was going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, Here's the thing. We repented before God many times about our unwillingness to follow him. We had felt called to 
be in ministry. I felt called to be in ministry and church plant and all of this stuff. But we'd said no, and it was all it all revolved around provision. Will God provide? Mm. I just didn't believe God would provide. I believed that God would provide for you, but I did not believe that God would come through for me. I just could, I didn't have faith yeah. for that. Um, and so, in the course of this uh, process of discipleship and generosity. God really was working a lot of things out in my heart. And uh, the night before we won the new car and, uh, and also before we, before our debt was, before our debt was paid off, we sat on the floor and, and in the living room and repented before God about saying, no, no, we won't leave our city. No, we won't leave our uh, house and no, we won't plant the church. Uh, that's actually, that was one that Tina had, uh, but it was, no, we won't, you know, leave our things. And we repented of that. And the next day we won a car and we felt like I was saying, yes, you are going to leave your city. You are going to leave your house. You are going to leave your things. You are going to leave your friends. You are going to plant the church. And here's a, here's a new car that you didn't ask for. Mm. You didn't believe for it. <laughs> you know, it was almost like God was saying, please start to believe that I will provide. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was exuberant and we were a little embarrassed. We didn't even know how to talk about it with people. You right, know? Right. We didn't post as we're driving to the car dealership in a perfectly fine car. We didn't post, hey, go and pick up another car, hashtag blessed. <laughs> uh, so we, we kind of didn't know how to talk about it because we didn't want to come off like prosperity gospel people. Right. Like we prayed, we sought God, we sought his will, and he gave us something far and above what we would have ever even assumed right. could, could happen. But you know what's funny is uh, there, we have a family, some family friends who are, who, uh, are seventh, eighth, and ninth generation Christians uh, from Pakistan. And, uh, you know, and they lived under persecution, Christian persecution for all their lives, including run-ins with the Taliban, like the real actual Taliban. And when we told them, you know, that, well, they, they saw the car mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, you got a new car. And I said, well, you know what? We won it. I, I had paid, I had uh, donated to a charity and gotten a raffle ticket and won a, a car from that. <laughs> and they immediately were like, oh, it's the blessing of God. Uh -huh. God's blessing is so good. He, you know, he is smiling on you. He's blessing you. And I just thought, man, they don't, they're not afraid of coming off prosperity gospel -y. right maybe it's because they feared for their lives before and they've had their properties taken from them and, and i mean you name it they've been through it and it just kind of it made me just made me rethink how we think about god's god's provision mm -hmm. how we think about all the, the many times in the bible that we're that we see the word prosperity mm -hmm. and have we made prosperity a bad word in christianity yeah well, yeah, some some people certainly. I have, think I right? think that yeah. I, I mean obviously I, we were afraid to tell the story because we were afraid uh, of saying God has made us prosperous, right? Or at least in this. In that yeah, matter. yeah, dude, I'm really glad you brought that up. I was gonna actually about the Azads from Pakistan because to me, if I heard this story, I, without even discrediting it, my mind immediately is, is going to go to well, what about people that are that have died in concentration camps? Mm -hmm. What about people mm -hmm. starving at the border? What about children getting abused? So you're telling me that God is blessing you with a place to stay in Chicago, like that, that can just be difficult to reconcile. And I'll be the first to admit, I don't have all the answers. And that's kind of what I meant when I said at the beginning about I didn't have a theology for God 
providing above and beyond that made sense to me that mm -hmm. that i could tie all the threads together in a way that was coherent and i to this day i'm not sure that i do but something that that comes to me along those same lines Corey Ten boom if you've read the hiding place or seen the film you know they hid jews during the holocaust in mm -hmm. holland and she experienced what i would just call miracles over and over mm -hmm. uh but god didn't you know rescue her out of the concentration camp quickly he was with her in yeah. the concentration and he didn't camp. preserve her, her dad's life her, her dad yeah. died her sister died um horribly but close to jesus and I, I think the heart of all of this that we would both affirm is that having Jesus is, is the treasure of our lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That having Jesus is the center of it. And that mm -hmm. that's uh, staying close to him is, is the essence mm -hmm. of, of mm -hmm. Christian faithfulness. Right. Yeah. And so, and we, we would both say that not just, you know, to say it, but we, we both really believe that, you know, that, yeah. Like if we had repented that night and then, not want a new car right day, right would i mean that's fine right if exactly we, if we had if we had given faithfully uh for those two years and then not paid off our debt which is of course what we were expecting right and we we're expecting not to i mean who's, who's going to expect that i mean it didn't make logical sense to me right um and i guess i can i guess i can say you know the, re the way that it happened was we got called to ministry we got we got called to fort worth and the place that we moved in Fort Worth, the houses were very affordable and the house that we sold and didn't had, had skyrocketed in price. So we just simply had extra money. Right. Um, and so it was, it's practical. It wasn't, I didn't even think about it for a really long time <laughs> that, whoa, we just paid off all, our, our, all of our debt right after this thing ended, you know? Mm -hmm. um, right. So would it have been, would it have been, would we have been okay with, not receiving blessing on top of blessing would we have been okay if we had actually been started to get persecuted and things got more difficult uh moving to fort worth things did not just continue blessing on top of blessing you know that i went through a uh, about a three or four month maybe i think three month bout of anxiety and depression that was just crippling um and so the question is like when god gave us those financial blessings how did i feel toward him i mean i felt i felt close to him but that it, because it wasn't about the blessing it was about being close to him which is obviously that's the blessing being mm -hmm. close to him yeah so then when when i'm suffering and i'm asking god take away this anxiety take away this depression and it's not happening week after week day after day after day um do i do i say well if you're not giving me good things then then forget you it's like no it's like let me press in more let me try to get closer mm -hmm. let me try to be closer uh and uh and glory to god he did take it away uh but that was after that was after three months or four months maybe mm -hmm. uh what about all that interim time i actually believed god's gonna sustain me somehow some way i don't think this will be how it is forever maybe it will be but day by day God's taking care of me. Mm -hmm. uh, so forget about the, the riches that might come in the future. Like he's taking care of me right now. Yeah. So, amen. Amen. So for me, as a student of the gospel of John, something that struck me ha having had these experiences is the way that I read John two, the story of the wedding at Cana where Jesus provides the wine. Mm -hmm. Right. 
there's a lot of really cool things you can see in this story. And I'm sure many of you watching or listening have insights that I, that I don't into what is going on there. But I think it's important probably to note that by almost no definition was anybody's life in peril, wow. right? Mm -hmm. Jesus did a lot of healing miracles. He even raised some people from the dead. Jesus provided, you know, food for the 5,000. This was Jesus providing wine, right, at a mm -hmm. feast. Certainly probably preserving some people from social embarrassment and humiliation. But at the end of the day, I mean, it was a feast and they had had a lot of wine already, right? Yeah. Enough wine that they weren't tasting the wine so good anymore, right? According to the story. And when I read that story now, uh, it obviously I think the wine symbolizes the blood of Jesus, the new covenant in his mm -hmm. blood. Right. And I love that in the story that the wine is, is better than the other wine. I like the covenant of, with Jesus is better than any other covenant. But it's also good wine, right? It, yeah. He literally provided delicious wine in abundance at this wedding. And I think Jesus, his provision often does both of those things. It's actual provision, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's actual good things that he'll give. And it also points to him, to the cross, to what he has suffered, to the goodness that flows from him. Um, for the oneness with God, for, uh, you know, the atonement that he has mm. accomplished on the cross so that we can have peace with God. Mm -hmm. His miracles always point to that, right? Yeah. And same thing, I think, with in John 6, the feeding of the 5,000. He multiplies the food. He feeds everyone there, but there's more than enough. Mm. You know, it's not exactly enough. Yeah. There's extra. There's enough for everybody who comes. And, of course, I think the bread is also symbolic of his broken body, yeah. but it's also bread that he gave people. Yeah. And I guess maybe he shows his nature in that way sometimes to his children. Yeah. Remember that I love you. Remember that I'm going to provide for you. Remember that I died to provide for you mm -hmm. um, what you could never provide for yourself, which yeah. is peace with God. So that's, I think, if I were going to make a theological point, well, well, why not? We well, are why not? It, <laughs> it would be that. It would be that, that Jesus does sometimes provide abundantly. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's always a probably an arrow that points to him and his nature and, and himself. Mm -hmm. I think of a missionary I really admire who, who serves in Africa. And she had, if you will accept it, a vision of Jesus where he said to her, he showed her his scars. And he said, because I die, there will always be enough. Mm. And she said, I found that to be true, even in Africa, you know, where, you know, people I love die or are persecuted. She said, some days I couldn't afford to buy a Coke, yeah. but he always provided, you know, yeah. some days I, I didn't have the things I wanted. I barely had the things I needed, but he has always provided. Mm. Now I have, you and I have not taken the risks that she's taken yeah. or been yeah. in that position, but she would seem to echo more or less the same idea. Um, that that Jesus is a is a provider. Mm -hmm. So, and again, I don't I don't know that any of us can reconcile that to all that we see in the world that is obviously bad. But we do know that that Jesus cares and that He calls us as Christians yeah. into that to bring relief and to bring beauty and to bring comfort and to bring His provision. Mm. Well said. Well, thank you. Yeah. So you want to close this thing out? We are getting to time. Yeah. So. 
you teased that what we're proclaiming is not the prosperity gospel or that hopefully it's not. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I maybe we should that it is not. Yes. So maybe we should make sure we answer that question. So for those of you that have maybe heard of the prosperity gospel, if I could define it, I don't know that any preacher or movement out there would self-describe themselves as preaching yeah. the prosperity gospel. Right. I think it's usually a pejorative term that those of us who don't agree with maybe their conclusions would assign to them. Yeah. But as I understand it, it's sort of generally this idea that God desires to give all Christians wealth beyond what they need. He desires them to have perfect health, at least into their later years, and that he desires them to be, you know, perfectly happy and have, you know, good relationships and, and on and on. Mm -hmm. And so as you can see, it's, it's, you could see a correlation between what I was saying, the, the provision that is in Jesus mm -hmm. that, and some other things that the Bible says, and this idea that we would call the prosperity gospel. And it's been my experience that in some, for some Christians who are very anti-prosperity gospel, if you start talking about miracles, if you start telling stories about getting paid off. debt being paid off or God providing money in any situation, mm -hmm. if you start talking about, hey, Jesus healed me of my depression and now I have joy, they might go, oh, prosperity gospel alert, right? That they're just, they're going to call anything in that arena prosperity gospel in some cases. Mm -hmm. Now, I think you and I would disagree with, with those who would preach something like if you don't have all the money, all the health, all the wealth, all the happiness, then you're doing something wrong. You don't have enough faith that that's what Jesus has for you. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, that that will sometimes be so donate to this yeah. donated faith to my ministry or to my yeah. show. I, I think that's it. I think that's where it really lands, at least in my opinion. Like, but, but I think the prosperity gospel goes beyond that, beyond the, the person who's trying to get donations back. I think it goes into kind of this, just this basic message that is sometimes just completely divorced from the gospel, from the cross, from what the Bible says about, you know, suffering and yeah, persecution. persecution. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Bible in Jesus tells the rich young ruler to sell everything that he has, mm -hmm. right? He literally says, hi, do you want to follow me? Then you get to be poor and give everything you have to the poor. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying Jesus says that to every Christian, but he says it, he said it to one guy and he might be saying it to you. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to have a theology that cuts that out. You don't want to have a theology that interrupts the idea of, of persecution or of mm -hmm. Jesus actually calling you into danger. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have a theology that says your kid got sick and died. Well, I guess you should have, should have had more faith or something, yeah, right? right. Uh, I don't think that that works and I don't think that that's, that's biblical. And so that's, I think, what you and I would strongly disagree with. Yeah. As I understand it, as I understand that to be the prosperity gospel, that's far from what you and I would say. In fact, yeah, I, think, yeah, right. I think you and I would not be inclined to necessarily say, we know for sure that God's ever going to provide a pool house for us ever again, yeah. right? We don't know. He's, uh, what does the psalmist say? The Lord is in the heavens and he, he does what pleases yeah. him. Mm. Our job is to follow him and to trust him and to yeah. pray, to continue to pray. I'm a, fa I'm a fan of praying for all of our needs, big and small, yeah. and just letting God be the provider um, mm -hmm. to you know, pray without ceasing and, and walk with him. I don't do that every day. I don't do that well all the time, but I've been amazed mm -hmm. at how he's shown up when I have.
Man. Yeah, well said. I don't think I have anything to add to that. I think you nailed it. <laughs> Good. Kind of the question of what does it mean when it doesn't happen? Does that mean you, you know you didn't have the faith mm-hmm. and um, and to walk down that, or specifically to say if you're doing it right, if you're a real Christian, then you will have this, this, and this, and this right? Right. Um, uh, yeah, discounts the call to persevere in persecution. Right. You know, and you can kind of tell. Dustin and I don't spend much time listening to prosperity gospel people. I think we're kind of piecing together what we think that they say. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we're hoping that what we're saying here is is biblical and that it's helpful yeah. and that brings right. brings glory to God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a show. That's, that's a show. That's I'm, a wrap. I'm wanting you to close it out so I don't have to. <laughs> so you yeah. do it. I'll sit back here and chill. Well, please let us know if you've watched or listened to both of these episodes, then you kind of know, I, I suppose, our our hearts a little bit and the kinds of things we were interested in talking about. So please let us know, message us or give us comments on Facebook. I think we'll, we'll put this video on YouTube later as yeah. well as wherever you stream podcasts that should be right. there. Please let us know any questions you'd like to hear us talk about. We're certainly open to that. We want to share things that will be helpful mm-hmm. and best way we know that it's helpful is if you actually ask us or, yeah. or tell us, right. Hey. You can tell us, you can ask yourself during the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of the, one of the, one of the reasons why we're live streaming it mm-hmm. just in case, you know, we're talking about something like, uh, prosperity and God's provision. And you you have a question man. throw that on the, yeah. On, yeah. The, on the comments. And, and I can say, I have it. some close friends that I know have some really interesting stories along these lines and probably some interesting insights. I'd love to talk about this again at some point. Also, if you have a clarifying question that we can, bring to this topic that you just need to ask us later, then please tune in to our next episode. And if we get any questions and we feel like we need to clarify something, we'll do that maybe at the beginning of the next episode yeah. where we will answer any questions about this episode. Thank you. So again, uh, our goal with this real kingdom podcast is that we'll share stories that have helped us stories of God's faithfulness, stories that have convinced us that Christian spirituality is real And our hope is that this will encourage you to pursue God biblically, that you will find, like James says, that if we draw near to God in humility, that he does, in fact, draw near to us. Mm -hmm. So we hope this has been helpful to you. I'm Nathan Miller. This is, um, I'm sorry, sir. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin, you are. I love you guys. (laughs) Christ be with you. Be blessed.